Welcome to God Mode, living life undefeated. Join us each week as Pastor Chris delivers a message to encourage, challenge, and empower you to live life in God Mode. All messages can be listened to at www.godmode.life. Let's join today's message. Hey, everybody. Thank you so much for tuning in today to God Mode. I'm so excited. You know, I wonder how many of you have noticed that there are so many people today that are incredibly easily offended. And would you say you've noticed people are really easily offended? I mean, I hate to even ask this follow-up question, but how many of you have noticed that oftentimes Christians can be some of the most easily offended people around. Have you noticed that? Why do you think that is? Why do you think it is that, that Christians among so many people can be so easily offended? I'll answer that according to what I think. I think as disciples of Jesus that it's probably part of our jobs to be offended. That God calls us as followers of Jesus to point out sins to gripe about something in culture, to be angry and to stand up for truth. If you really love Jesus, aren't we called to be offended by and mad about sin and injustice in this world? All right, I'm just being sarcastic, just a little bit. But today what I want to do is I want to start a new message series called No Offense and talk about how in our culture today so many people are easily offended and incredibly angry. And what is our response as disciples of Jesus to all the division and all the hatred and all the anger in this world? And I want to give credit to an author and highlight the book called Unoffendable by Brett Hansen. Unoffendable was a book that I read, and it was written several years ago, but in many ways speaks prophetically into the tension that we have in our culture today. And I'll be borrowing on some of his ideas and want to give him credit for his work. And if you want to read more about what it means to be unoffendable, even if that's possible, you can read his book, which did get on my nerves at times, I must say, in a rather good way. In fact, at the beginning of his book, the author actually says he has the audacity to say that you can be unoffendable. You can be unoffendable. To be honest, when I read that, it kind of offended me because I'm thinking, you don't know the crazy people in the world. I mean, they're everywhere. They're on and on and they know everything and they're loud and they're opinionated and they're often criticizing everybody, me, and he's telling me I can't be unoffendable. Honestly, it's not easy to offend me. I have really tough skin. I'm not easily offended unless somebody hurts Kathy or hurts our children or betrays one of my friends or criticizes the church or my message or maybe my outfits. Maybe I am easily offended. I don't know. But what I discovered as I read this book and even more so as I searched the scriptures God started to search my heart, and he has to do a real healing work to show me where I am too easily offended. And so what I want to do over the next few weeks, and I'm just going to lay out my cards, I will probably offend some of you. I will offend you with the goal of helping you get over your offenses, your anger, and maybe even your unforgiveness. And that's why the title of today's message is, 
Stop being offended. What I'm going to do today is I'm going to introduce this talk, and then in the next few weeks, we're going to unpack it in detail. And I want to introduce a big thought for us from the book of James. James chapter 1, and we'll start in verse 19, and we'll read more in a bit. And then, you know, on the half, on the half brother of Jesus says this. He says, my dear brothers and sisters, take note of this though, and he gives us some instructions. He said, everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. I want you to ask yourself a question. How are you doing with this assignment? We should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. I think we live in a culture where not very many people are listening and they're very, very fast to speak their opinions and people are incredibly easily offended and often quickly angry. We should be slow to speak, quick to listen. In fact, when you look at Jesus and the way he lived, this is exactly how he lived. You may never have looked at this, but sometimes I'm kind of a nerd and I like to study things like this. How many questions do you think that Jesus was asked as recorded in the Gospels? I'll answer that. Jesus was asked directly 183 questions. Of those 183, how many did he respond to directly? Jesus answered directly only on three of the 183 questions asked of him. While he was asked 183 questions, he actually asked questions 307 times. Why? Because Jesus was incredibly focused on others. He was slow to speak and he was quick to listen. As we think about this today, our assignment would be to be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. When we think about slow to become angry, I think angry, anger really has become evolving in our lifetime. And for example, a few years back, the thing that used to annoy me and offend me and make me angrily regularly is kind of the small stuff. Like someone would cut me off in traffic. And I want to be praying hemorrhoids and blessings in the name of Jesus for them or whatever. And they, they, they would get me. And that one some still kind, kind of gets me some days. Or someone would not respond quickly to my texts and that would anger me. Or worse yet, they would start to respond because I see the little bubbles and then they ghost me, okay? I mean, that would make me feel even more anger. And it was like these little things like that. It was kind of like being offended in the movie that had all my standards. Level one offense is when someone starts to talk at a movie. Level two offense is when they talk to the movie. Level three is when they receive a phone call from someone outside and talk to someone during the movie. Level four, and this is up there with the unforgivable sin, that's when they actually dial out, talk to someone from the middle of the movie, and they, I mean, they're going to answer to God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit for that. Those were the normal offenses. But it seems like anger has kind of escalated in our culture today. It's all around. It's anger at the idiots on social media, arguing about vax, no vax, mass, no vax. The visible leader who abused their power, Whoever kneels at the national anthem or whoever doesn't kneel at the national anthem is getting angry about your issue, whatever your issue is, because we all have our issues. 
that thing that we think everybody should be upset about and we should be fixing this. And if we're Christians, we're going to do this. And it's very, it's every very single issue, issue, one amongst hundreds of issues. But you get angry about your issue, then you take it to the next level. You get angry at other people because they are not angry about what the thing that angers you. I hope we're not going to get too real here. I mean, it's that anger is kind of evolving. And I don't know about you, but I find myself easily agitated and more easily angered. And I don't think that's pleasing to God. And it's hard to admit, and this may not be true for everyone, but I actually think there are people that like to be angry. But I think it's a part of some people that enjoy just really being angry because it's their social media feed. It's you got 73 friends on Facebook and you're all ticked about the same thing. And you just repost the things that tick you off. And you're angry about these things. And you're angry about the same thing. And or you're maybe it's your buddies at the gym. We're angry about the same thing. And and we're angry. And it's kind of fun because we actually feel morally superior because we're in the right and everyone else is wrong. They're evil. They're evil or they're an idiot or they're an evil idiot. I mean, we're just easily angered. And I don't think that's pleasing to God. So I want to ask you a question. How effective is your anger? Like, how is it going for you? If you're easily angered, is it working? Is it making you more like Jesus? Is your anger pointing others to the intimacy and the life and the freedom and the joy that's found in Christ? How effective is your anger? Is it making you more loving? Is it drawing other people into a more joyful life? And I'll give you a little spoiler alert. The answer is going to be negative. It's not working according to Scripture. In fact, James 1.19, and we'll look at our verse again, and then we'll add one more verse to it. In verse 20, Scripture says this, Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Why? Because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Your human anger, or whatever it is, your anger at the small offense, or your anger at the major betrayal, your anger at the, uh, maybe the opposing political view or the guy that gave you the middle finger in the parking lot, whatever it is, your human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. If you're like me, you may want to push back a little bit, but Pastor Chris, you don't understand. My anger is righteous anger. My anger is a righteous anger because I'm angry over sin. And you might be. There probably is such a thing as righteous hatred against something that breaks the heart of God. But I don't know if you've noticed this about righteous anger. Whenever we're angry about someone's sin, it's always someone else's sin. Have you noticed that? So if we're really honest, it might not be just like a righteous anger. In some ways, it could be a self-righteous anger. Because as Christians, it's real easy to criticize their foul language but ignore our own spiritual pride. It's easy to judge their sexual sin and ignore our gluttony. I mean, have I offended you yet? Because I'm coming for everybody. That's my goal. I'm coming for you. We tend to think that our anger is justified. Why? Because it's our anger. It's our anger. How effective is your anger? Are you drawing people to the grace and the goodness and the love of Jesus 
because of your anger? Is your anger bringing you more joy? Is it blessing and enhancing your marriage? Is it giving your children a life that they want to emulate? One that's blessing others or always criticizing others? What we have to do eventually is this as followers of Jesus. We need to make a decision and we need to decide when we get angry, do you want to make a point or do you want to make a difference? Because too many people simply want to make a point. And if we want to make a difference, I would submit to you, we need a different attitude and a different philosophy when dealing with the wrongs of this world. And rather than letting our flesh and our feelings and our emotions direct our action, we need to let the Spirit of God direct our actions. So we're not just making a point, but we're making a difference. We're not just trying to win an argument. We're trying to win people to the grace and the goodness of Jesus. And there's a very, very big difference. And so there's this really, really smart guy. I mean, he was an expert in the law, and he was asking Jesus a question. And this is the question that Jesus answered. He said, oh, so tell me, what's the most important thing? What's the most important thing? And Jesus would listen to this guy, and he knew the, the stature of his heart and responded with this answer. He was like, you want me to tell you what's most important? And he says this in Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven. 37. Jesus replied, here's what it is. The most important thing is to love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And you know what the second one is? The second one is just like it. The second one is love your neighbor as yourself. You want to know what's important? Is to love God with everything in you, with every bit of fiber of your body to worship him to love for him, to glorify him, to love him in all that you do. And the way that you love him is by loving his people and showing them grace and having some empathy and some compassion and showing his goodness and love for other people. And what I was thinking about is I realized I don't have to be angry to do that. I don't have to be ticked to be loving. In fact, I have to ask myself, can I be angry and show consistent love and grace to people? When you think about it, Jesus never ever told us you have to be right. But what he did do is say, I want you to be loving. Do you want to make a point or do you want to make a difference? Now there's a part of me, and again, I told you that God's, God's always still continuing to do a work in me because there's a part of me that doesn't like preaching this way. I mean, there's a part of me that wants to say, you got to get righteously angry. The only way to make a difference in this world is you got to be angry to fight against the injustice of, in the world. I learned is that the best fighters are never the angry fighters. You want to see somebody get beat? Just watch them lose their cool. And the same it's true if there's an effective police officer, the police officer is not angry. It's in their anger that they often are ineffective. The best soldiers aren't angry in battle if they're doing what they've been trained to do. So as the disciple of Jesus, how do we battle against the forces of darkness? The way that we do battle is we lead with love. We don't lead with anger. 
We're not just trying to make a point. This is how we do it. You're doing it wrong. No, we want to make a difference. And our hearts are rarely changed by anger and accusations and judgment. As much as they are changed by empathy and compassion and discussion and love. We want to lead with love and not with anger. So if you find yourself a little bit like me, I'm just kind of getting annoyed with all that's going on out there and all that. And he said, and she said, and I've got her, and I've got really strong opinions. Don't think for a moment I don't have strong opinions. But I don't want my opinions to overrule my calling to share the love of Jesus and get sidetracked by little things that are not nearly as important as sharing the gospel of Jesus. So how do we learn to let go of that anger that we might be carrying in our life? But I don't know, are you guys like full of love or are you ticked all the time? How do we let go of the anger and how do we overcome offenses? And I want to give you two thoughts that can be incredibly helpful and then maybe a little bit of an assignment. How do we learn to let go of anger? The first thing I want to encourage you to do is lower your expectations of others. Just lower your expectations of what you expect from people. What will happen a lot of times is someone's going to lie to you or they're going to let you down and they're going to betray you and they're not going to show up or they're not going to say thank you for what you did and they're not going to call you back and they're not going to be there for you. They're going to forget your birthday or they're not going to be there for the shower even though you were there for their shower. They're not going to come to your thing and you're going to be incredibly disappointed. And I want to say to you like, what did you expect? Have you ever let somebody down? They're people. Instead of saying, I can't believe she would or I'm just shocked that they would or I never thought a Christian would, we have to remember that sinners do sinful things. And if you start always elevating your expectations and thinking everyone's going to love you, you're always going to be hurt. And if you want to know what people are like, the Apostle Paul told Timothy what people are like. Some people would say that we might be living toward the end of times. And the Apostle Paul said in the end times, let me tell you what people are like. If you want to know what you can expect from people, this is the word of God. He said this, People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, pride, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. And you're shocked when they don't call you back. Sinful people do sinful things. If you're not Jesus, you're not perfect. People will let you down. And I hate to tell you, but if you're around me, I'll let you down. Eventually, if you follow me around and listen, I'm going to do something to let you down because I'm not perfect. And when I do let you down, promise me, promise me this, you won't say God's not real. And promise me, sometimes when you get let down, don't say the church betrayed you because the church didn't betray you and God is still real. What happened is a sinful person wasn't perfect, just like you're not perfect. Lower your expectations of people. When you think about Jesus, he was never, ever shocked by self-centeredness. He wasn't, oh, I can't believe they're being sinful. 
He knew they were. He was never scandalized by immoral behavior. You just watch as you go through story after story when Jesus walked up to the woman at the well and realized that she had been married five different times and the man that she was with, she wasn't married to. I mean, it's so shocking. She's up, what is she doing with this guy? And what did Jesus do? Did he go, I can't be close to you. You're one of those types. I got to get away from you. Oh, I can't wait to tell Peter and John, this is gossip. This is prayer. We're going to pray for her because she's looking for love in all the wrong places. Jesus didn't do that. He didn't judge or he wasn't shocked. He offered her living water. The thing that would satisfy. It would help to meet the need that she was looking for. He wasn't shocked by scandalous behavior. Whenever the disciples were like posturing themselves, like who's Jesus' favorite? Who gets to sit by his side? Who's going to be the top-ranking disciple? Who's going to be the RHM or the KOG? You know, the right-hand man in the kingdom of God. Who's going to be that guy? You know, I'm thinking at some point Jesus is going to lose it on these idiots. Like, I've had enough. You're kidding me. Don't don't you know who you are and remember who you are, a tax collector? I'm the Savior. I'm the Son of God. I'm right. I'm sinful. Sinless. You're sinful. I'm sick of your attitude. Get out of my face. He didn't do that. He just kept on loving them. Think about Peter. I mean, we're talking inner circle Peter. And Peter's like bragging, I'm your guy, you and me, Jesus, and all these other losers over here. Hey, they may not show up for you, but they don't got your back, but I got your back. I'm on your team. I'm always with you. You need anything, I'll never deny you. I'll always be there. If everyone else's ways you're down, know I love you and I love you the most and I'll never disappoint you. And what did Peter do? Well, obviously he lied because he betrayed Jesus. He denied him. He stabbed him in the back and he abandoned Jesus. And what did Jesus not do? Jesus didn't quit his church. He didn't go on a Facebook rant. All people suck. He didn't do that, right? He just forgave Peter, kept on loving Peter, gave Peter a new assignment to go out and take care of the sheep. How do you get over being so easily offended? Lower your expectations. We're all sinners. We all mess up. People are going to let you down. Don't be shocked by it. How do you deal with all the criticism? I don't know. I just kind of know that's what people are going to do. I don't expect anything different. Lower your expectations. The second thing I want to encourage you to do is raise your gratitude for God's grace. Lower your expectations of other people, but raise your gratitude for God's grace. I would love to see, if I could see everybody listening right now, a show of hands of all of you who have never, ever sinned. You've never done anything wrong. Never. You deserve God's love. You've never lied. You've never cheated. You've never looked lustfully. You've never envied. You've never gossiped on a friend. You've never even farted in an elevator or whatever. I don't know. I know someone's saying, hey, wait a second, that's not a sin. Hey, if you've been in that elevator, I'd say it's a sin. But let's move on. You've never done anything wrong. How is it, how is it that we are made right with God? Paul tells us in Ephesians chapter 2, the verse that brought me my faith to Christ, when Paul says this, for it is by grace It is by the grace of God that you've been saved, through faith, 
and this is not from yourselves. In other words, it's not because you were good. It's not because you were holy. It's not because you had it all together. Not because you did everything right at church and never did anything wrong. And it's not because of you. It's the gift of God. Not by works so that no one can boast. It's by grace, by grace, by grace. It's by the goodness of God. It's by the mercy of God. It's because of what Jesus did on the cross for us. It's because of his perfection. It's because of his righteousness. It's all his goodness. It's his grace that makes us right with God. It's not our goodness. It's not our works. It's all his grace. But you may say, but they lied about me. I've lied too. But he's so arrogant. I could be arrogant too. Well, they stole from me. Well, I've stolen and I'm going to quit listing all my sins before you never listen again. But you know what I'm talking about, right? I need the grace of God. I need the grace of God. And I don't want to minimize whatever hurt some of you might be enduring right now. Because I know we've talked about politics and we talked about friends being rude. And I know a lot of you are facing some really deep and significant pain. Maybe someone has abused one of your children. Or you may have a spouse you trusted for years who was living a double life. And you might be facing a horrible, horrible betrayal right now. No matter what I say, is probably going to be a level of offense. Whenever we've been hurt, whenever we're angry, there tends to be a thought that I'm right and they're wrong. I'm right, they're wrong. And I'm justified in my anger. And if you're not careful, your anger will then justify your right to hold the stone. It's not that you're going to throw it, but you just want to hold it, just in case you ever need to throw it. You hurt my child, I may hurt you. You let me down, I like to hold my stone. And then before long, it's like you're spreading false information, or you voted for the wrong candidate, or that's what you believe about this. That's what you believe about the vaccine. And I hold my stone because I'm right and you're wrong. And my anger gives me the right to hold the stone. And in John chapter 8, there was a woman who was caught in a sinful act. She and another guy were caught in the act of adultery. And there was an angry group of men that had gathered around holding their stones, saying, she deserves death, she sinned, let's stone her for her sin. And Jesus wasn't shocked, and he wasn't angry, and he wasn't offended. But instead, he knelt down and started scribbling something in the sand. And we don't know from the Gospels exactly what he has said in the sand, but tradition tells us that perhaps he was scribbling the sins of the men who wanted to stone her. But Scripture says one by one, from the oldest to the youngest, they all started walking away. And Jesus looked on and said, essentially, you're angry. And you want to do something to right the wrongs. Then whoever of you has never ever sinned, you can throw the first stone. There are so many injustices in this world, and they break the heart of God. And it's easy for us to want to be righteously angry. But I would submit to you that really angry people have a hard time making a really big difference. If we deal with the deal with enough anger at some point, Jesus may say, lower your expectations of others, raise your gratitude for grace, 
And because of the goodness of God and because what you've been forgiven, it's time to drop your stone. It's time to drop your stone. But Jesus didn't just call us to be right, but he has called us to be loving. And our goal, I tell you, my goal is not to make a point. My goal is to make a difference. And my goal is not to convert you to my view on some spherical issue. My goal is to help you see the love of the one who changed my life, and his name is Jesus. And Jesus was quick to listen, and he was slow to speak, and he was slow to become angry. And if that's the way Jesus lived in love, that's the way I want to live in love. Why? Because my human anger, my human anger, and your human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. So come on, people. Let's rise above it. Let's lead with love. And let's make a difference in in this point in this world because God can use you. Let's lead with love. Let's ask the Father and the Holy Spirit to do a work in our hearts. And I'm asking him to start with me and forgive me where I've been easily angered and led me on a path and hopefully healing of compassion and grace and love. And if you're sitting right now and you're listening to this and you've been saying, man, I, I've been wronged and I've been easily offended and I, I don't want to just make a point, but I want God to use me to make a difference. If that's you today and you're listening right where you are, the Spirit of God can see you. Just lift your hands right now to Him. Just lift up and say, yes, God, help me make a difference. Father, I pray that as our little part of your body, a small part of your body in Christ, you would help us to be faithful, to lead with love in all that we do. God, wherever we've been wronged or wherever we're offended, God, help us to trust you to bring about justice. If you call us to act, God, empower us to act with love, to respond with grace. And when we speak words of truth, God, may they be words of truth spoken in love. God, help us to heal. Help us to get over the little offenses and God to forgive even the big ones. Help us to love God even as you loved us. I know there are so many of you that you may be really hard on yourselves and you wonder, where do you stand with God right now? Maybe you're battling with feelings of guilt as I've did so much in my life. I'm guilty. You know, we're all guilty because we've sinned, because you've hurt people, because you've lied, because I did things that were wrong. And the scripture is very clear about how we're made right with God. And I want to tell you again, it's not by our human effort. It's never by our own good works. The only way we were made right with God is by grace. And maybe today as you're listening, you just want to say, God, I need your grace. I need your love in my life. I need to receive Jesus as my personal Savior, to break the bonds that surround me, to get rid of this anger once and for all. And I believe that God will come and he will do this. And I believe if you stick with this, I hope that you listen through and you're not too offended. But if you stick with this series, I believe God is going to do some miraculous work in our lives to really free us up from the things that are holding us back, from touching this world where it really needs it with the love of Jesus. God bless you. We will see you next week for part two. Have a great rest of your week and may God use you to take his word to the ends of the earth and beyond. See you next week. Thank you for listening to today's message. 
You can hear all of Pastor Chris's messages at www.godmode.life. Join us next week as we continue on in this series. Please leave a review of this podcast at podchaser.com.